Adios thinking. Recording in progress. Good afternoon, Chair Riley and EDAC members. This meeting has been held pursuant to Government Code Section 54953E. And in light of the declared state of emergency, the regular meeting of the Economic Development Advisory Committee for July 11, 2022, will be conducted telephonically through Zoom and broadcast live on the city's website. Good afternoon. Thank you, uh, Serge, and welcome everyone to our July 11th EDAC meeting. I hope everyone had a wonderful July 4th. Um, thank you to Ms. Chris Gallagher for uh, hosting that event. I understand it went uh, just tremendous, and uh, I hope everyone had an excellent time. Um, welcome to committee members, uh, members of the public, uh, members of staff. I know we have uh, three or four staff members with us today and also uh, two service providers, Ken Nordhoff from uh, HDL and Violet Dow from uh, CDA. And so we thank you also for joining us at this meeting. Um, we have a great agenda today. Um, I won't read it since it's been published, but uh, what I'd like to do is begin the meeting by opening up for public comment for items that are not on the agenda. And sir, can you provide instructions for public comment, please? Chair, Chair Riley, would you like me to do the roll call before we... Ah, yes, I would like for you to do the roll call, please. Great. Um, EDAC member Lelaine. John DeRay. Present. Uh, Rachel Stodd. Present. Chris Gallagher. Here. Malcolm Morgan. Monica Finnegan. John Daglo. Here. Teresa Ancona. Present. Cass Green. Here. And Chair Riley. Present. Thank you. And now, um, Serge, can you give instructions for uh, providing public comments? Sure. Video or audio public uh, comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment, please raise your hand in the Zoom application, and you will be called upon when it's your time to speak. To raise your hand from a phone, press start nine, and each speaker will be notified when the time has elapsed. Thank you. And at this time, do you see any hands raised for public comment? Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. All right, we'll move on to item three. And I also noticed that Malcolm Morgan just joined, so the minutes can reflect his attendance. And Monica Finnegan is coming in, so we'll just uh, wait for her as well. Welcome, Malcolm and Monica. Could you both just uh, say present? And I'm co-hosting Pres present. Malcolm Morgan right now. Thank you. Malcolm Morgan has been co-hosted. Malcolm, are you with us? There we are. There you are, Malcolm. Welcome. The, Good to see you. The dreaded software update at the beginning of the meeting. <laughs> okay. So we'll just be uh, waiting on Scott Thornburg and uh, possibly Bob Roland to, to join us. 
All right, um, item number three is approval of minutes. Uh, Teresa, our secretary, uh, submitted our minutes, didn't get them posted, so we will have them posted for our next meeting and we'll approve them at that time. But Teresa, thank you for um, preparing our minutes. Move on to business items. In business, um, okay, I think we have someone who went on mute. Thank you. Um, business item one is uh, just to hear, I know that uh, staff and city council have been working feverishly on finalizing the budget. And there was a meeting on June 28th um, on the budget for the new fiscal year. We had put in a request uh, in a written letter as we discussed in our last meeting uh, for four budget items totaling $220,000. Um, and I was hoping to get an update from our city manager, Mr. Zapata, just on uh, the, the budget process in general. And then the, if you have specifics about our requests. And I also noticed that I didn't catch that. I, it, you broke up. Oh, oh, I was hoping you could provide us an update on uh, the budget. And then um, if possible, are the four specific items that EVAC has requested. And you can walk through those one-on-one -on -one if you'd like to. Thank you very much, members of the committee, members of the public and friends. Um, let me begin at the beginning. I came here in June of um, 2021 when we adopted a budget, which included, I believe, about $325,000 for investment in the business community in Sausalito. That budget um, was subsidized by a significant amount of one-time money. Uh, it was federal money of about 1.7 million. It was additional parking money of about another million. It was uh, the idea that we would take out a reserve fund, $983,000, and then we would take about another $1.2 million in transfer measure O money and operating costs. So that was about a $4.5 million one-time grab uh, which is not good. So flash forward to this year, working with the city council over the uh, past six months, uh, we arrived at you know a smaller number. Uh, we've cut a number of costs. We've cut some programs and we've cut some staffing. We've done some things to try to take that four and a half million dollar gap that was uh, supported by largely one-time money and make that more manageable so that we wouldn't have to cut services. So uh, the city council looked at a budget this year with about a $3.2 million gap, um, but thanks to uh, Marin County and their approval of about half a million dollars for homeless expenses, uh, they approved the budget this year with a $2.7 million gap. So that's important for everybody to understand. Uh, the overall citywide budget is about $35.8 million, $35 million, and that's every enterprise fund, uh, the city's general fund, uh, all the different uh, monies the city brings in and spends. Uh, the revenue side of those expenditures was about 31, almost 32 million. So that points to that about $3 million gap that we have, which predominantly in the general fund. So as a premise to start all that, I wanted to be sure everyone understood that. Uh, what the city council effectively did on June 28th is say, you know, we want to continue to uh, invest in our community. We want to continue to provide services to our community and we're not cutting services yet. So uh, what I call a status quo budget, no position cuts, no program cuts, but no fundamental additions. And so what that does is that brings us to um, the Economic Development Advisory Committee. 
So uh, again, going back to your ask last year, which was about $325,000, uh, Chair Riley and I have been talking about what's been spent, what's been committed, and what might be needed this year and trying to come up with what we would carry forward. And so in uh, this past year, uh, by my accounting, and don't hold me to this, uh, you committed to CDA spending, you committed to Holiday by the Bay spending, uh, you committed to um, uh, Wednesday Night Live, uh, you know, visit California and afloat. And all of those expenses the past year, uh, as we do the deduct, leave you in the magnitude of 200 to $220,000. And remembering that you committed another $75,000 a year of contract to CDA. So you have to take that out of there going forward. But then I know that the council wanted to see uh, some work uh, that the committee had noodled around, uh, especially around business improvement districts, as well as lighting. And so uh, my recollection is uh, when you take $75,000 in a second year commitment to CDA, uh, you take about $90,000 for business improvement district formation, uh, the matching amount of $10,000 for um, the lighting program, uh, you get to pretty close to spending what you carried forward. So uh, in my mind, uh, I did not want the city council to get bogged down by uh, various asks from various groups uh, on that June 28th meeting. I said we would work through this on a case-by-case -case basis. And the good news is in the case of the Economic Development Advisory Committee, uh, there is some funding that you didn't spend that uh, you haven't all committed to, but some of it you have committed to. And that bears the discussion that I think you need to have today. Thank you, Chris. Um, I do... Um, I believe that the underspend from last year that carries forward will cover the request that we had submitted for this year, uh, which was a total of 220K. Um, our request was broken down into four categories. Uh, the business improvement district, we estimated at $80,000. Um, to do a brand study, we had estimated $45,000. To continue the CDA contract at $75,000 and uh, to do the events like Holiday by the Bay and Wednesday Night Live, we had requested $20,000, that total 220. And so um, I do think we can work with you on the details of each of these projects and um, what we invest towards. But um, I wanna first off, thank you for you and your staff's hard work on uh, putting together this plan and uh, making some very, very hard decisions uh, and then also for supporting us. And, and you were the one who identified, hey, if we have rollover funds, that's the best way we could move this forward. So I wanna thank you for that. But um, I do think we had the funds to, to take on the projects that we had hoped um, from what you just summarized, Chris. Um, let me see if there's any questions from uh, committee members. I see Cass. Yeah, um, hi, Chris, and thank you very much. Um, I, I believe that the 10,000 for lighting is actually out of last year's budget. Um, and uh, I know that Julie has, uh, has billed you guys for that. So it's billed the city for it. So I don't, I don't think it has to be out of next year's budget because it was spent on last year's budget, but maybe I'm incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't paid that yet is my understanding. So okay. it will come out of what's left. Okay. And I'm happy to hear about the the business improvement district that that's going to be great 
Yeah, and I think our commitment going forward, as we did last year, every dollar we spend, we put together a business case, and we're going to track the returns. And uh, uh, the fact that we're allocating these funds doesn't mean we'll go out and spend them. We want to make sure that we're spending this money wisely and that there's returns we can measure. But um, I think it's good news, Chris, and thank you for that. So is, are there more questions? Because I have a closing comment and recommendation for you all. Okay. Okay. Don't worry. Uh, Kevin, Carol, could you go on mute for a moment, please? Thank you. Uh, Chris, uh, the floor is yours. Yeah. So first of all, uh, you know, the work you do is really important and now more than ever. And I think, you know, we didn't talk a lot about how we got to where we were, but I gave the city council a full on 20 year back, 20 year forward. Look, see, I'd encourage you all to look at that. Uh, but obviously it, our situation has been exacerbated by COVID and as a community that has some reliance on, on tourism, we've been impacted in a way that other cities may not have been. So uh, our fiscal challenges are unique to us right now. Uh, we need to be mindful of them. And so uh, what I'd like to do is recommend that this board uh, submit in writing to the city council a proposed use of you know the carryover funds and, and here here is my my uh, thinking um you've made a commitment of seventy five thousand dollars to cda that's a two-year um agreement that the city council signed off on so there's no going back from that uh the other things uh i think you need to again say they were successful last year uh, the return on involvement was significant uh, we want to do them again. Uh, we want to enhance the ambience of downtown. We want to create some long-term funding for our business districts through a BID uh, and, you know, um, prioritize them. Uh, so just because there's 220 or so thousand dollars there, uh, I don't know that you don't, you spend them all. <laughs> you spend it all. Uh, you, you, I think you need to make the case again that these are important uh, for whatever reasons you believe they are. In the case of the BID, you don't have to convince me, and I will help you convince the council. In the case of the lighting, you don't have to convince me, and I will help you convince the council. In the case of the activities that supplement our parks and recreation activities and other community-sponsored events, uh, you don't have to convince me. The CBA one is locked in. There was another one, which I was the branding one. I'm not quite so sure what you're going to achieve there, but I would have an interest in understanding how you want to quantify and qualify that that is of positive economic impact to the community, to the businesses, and, and to the revenue stream. Thank you, Chris. We will do that. Um, we had uh, three of us, uh, Cass, Chandra, and myself, uh, drafted a letter that or sent a letter to you and our council liaisons. Um, I think that letter suffices as a request, and we can forward it to the whole city council. Um, that is uh, in your inbox and with uh, the council liaisons as well. Yeah, I, I think I saw that, Chair Riley. I, I apologize if you sent it to me two weeks ago, but I think everybody in Saucedo knows I have 15,000 emails that <laughs> I have. We'll, we'll, we'll move to the top of the red box. Okay. All right. Send it to me again. I'll take a good look at it, and I'll work with our agenda setting committee and our liaisons, uh, Councilmember Hoffman and Councilmember Sobieski, to kind of understand where they are with it as well. Okay. Wonderful. Um, any other questions from committee members before we go to public comment? All right, this time on just the financial update that uh, our city manager, Mr. Zapata, provided, is there any public comment? Serge, if you help me monitor, raise hands. Chair Riley, I see no hands raised for this item. 
Okay, thank you. We'll move on to item four two. And um, again, uh, Chris, I would appreciate your help with this discussion, but I'll set the stage. Um, our city staff is very understaffed. Uh, and with the resource constraints we have financially, um, can't even hire enough staff. Um, and there are a large number of commissions and committees similar to ours that our city staff has to staff. And um, what we'd like to do, and I'm in full support of this, is figure out how committees like us can be streamlined or reorganized so we're not such a burden on staff. Um, even if you think of this two-hour meeting, we have uh, three staff members with Vivian, Serge, and, and our city manager on this call. And the amount of time in preparing and following up and posting agendas, and if you multiply that by many other committees, uh, is a tremendous amount of work. And so I know the city manager has asked and city council has asked for all the committees to think about how they can restructure or realign or streamline to... Um, continue good work, but to minimize burden on city staff. I was hoping to have a discussion and get ideas on that. And then from our ideas, uh, Cast and I can um, draft a, a letter uh, back to the city manager with kind of our proposed uh, thoughts for streamlining. But before we go any further, I'd like to get uh, um, Mr. Zapata, if you could share your thoughts on the objectives you're trying to achieve. Well, well thank you for that, Chair Riley. Again, I, I go back to it's not a case of not wanting to, it's a case of making sure that we do it right. And given the numbers, the sheer multitude of committees, commissions, task force, and legal boards that were required to staff uh, with you know minimal staff, you're talking about Surge, myself, a department head or two, uh, to really work with the regional groups, the local groups, the, the commissions and committees that are required by our charter, our code, our municipal code, and then the special ones have been set up over time. And you set up quite a few in Sausalito. There is really a, a scenario where uh, something uh, that could be done really well uh, gets done. And, and that's not what we wanna be. We wanna do things right, but we have to have the bandwidth to do that. So I asked the city council to reconsider the 30 plus boards, committees, commissions, and task forces that they have actively listed in addition to another 10 or 15 regional bodies and, and try to figure out how we could winnow this into something more manageable. And so they authorized uh, a couple of uh, months ago um, the idea that, you know, we would ask the non-legally required, non-municipal code required uh, commissions and boards to talk about how you could do exactly what Chair Riley described, um, work more closely with the city without involving city staff in a way that is um, frankly impossible. Uh, you know, you mentioned three people on the call today. Uh, that's true, plus two council people. And then, you know, you're talking about a, a regular board meeting tonight of the Parks and Recreation Commission. You're talking about a probably six hour council meeting tomorrow and all the things that go into just that. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're heading toward disaster in terms of people burning out. Uh, we're heading toward problems with respect to how we get things together and provide you information. And that kind of a, a fire drill approach to staffing is, is not something that I think is sustainable. So uh, I don't say this because I, I get any joy out of saying it. I say it because, you know, I'm concerned about, you know, doing good work and having uh, the necessary resources to do that good work 
and take all of your good ideas and continue doing that in a way that doesn't involve, in particular this case, you know, it's going to be five hours. It's, you know, an hour and a half looking at what we're doing, Tara's going into it, another hour and a half to follow up. So uh, your thoughts, your consideration um, is appreciated, but certainly let's not forget uh, the, the, the idea that city councils have done this over time to gain your input, your insight, your expertise, because a lot of it is world-class. It isn't just, you know, somebody off the street saying, you know, you could do this better city. Uh, it's actually people that have done it at a high level. So uh, it's appreciated, but how we get to that um, uh, partnership that involves uh, us working together without, uh, you know, us, you know, fumbling things or burning out or not being responsive to you is it's the challenge. And so uh, when the memo uh, that uh, I put together got sent out to, I think it was over 30 different bodies, um, I applaud Chair Riley for responding uh, in a draft form to me. He was the first one to do it. So I, I thank you for that, uh, Chair Riley. Uh, we've started to see one or two trickle in. The deadline was July 1st. So I hope that uh, we can continue this conversation. You all can um, give me some thoughts on how you think this partnership can continue in a way that doesn't uh, create a, um, a problem down the road. Tom, you're muted. Thank you, Cass. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Chris, thank you for those comments. Um, one, um, I, I had sent a letter to Chris, not with any recommendations from EDAC, but more sharing ideas in broad where I do think all these 30 plus committees and commissions are cumbersome. Um, many of them are subject to the Brown Act, uh, which has its own challenges uh, and also it's, it's many great benefits. Um, but I hope the discussion we have today is what we at EDAC would like to align behind what we propose back on how we streamline our operations. And um, there has been no conclusions on that to date. I do wanna say, I, I think this committee is very productive. Uh, it um, takes action, uh, is spending city resources wisely. Uh, we minimize our impact on city staff and we're very conscious of that. Uh, we're you know, trying to get, get a lot done with our own resources. And I just, I can't thank everyone enough. And I'd like to continue in our current format, but I also think we need to set the example of um, how the city can be more efficient in working with its citizen volunteers uh, and being more aligned. Um, I have a couple ideas, but I will pause and go to Cass for her comments. Thank you, Tom. Um, Chris, since you've gone through this before and work, work with, have such depth of experience, do you have the suggestions of, of what might be workable? Yeah, yeah. Um, am I on? Yes. Yeah, there, there are a lot of ways to do this. Um, one is uh, you've done it. This is what you resulted from. You collapsed a couple of bodies together so that you didn't have two, you had one. Uh, I think there are some easy things to do that are obvious to me. Maybe you don't meet monthly, you meet quarterly. Uh, you know, there are some things that, you know, maybe you don't even want to be a formal board committee uh, of the city. You become your own private model, much like Sausalito Beautiful. Uh, you know, there's always the Chamber of Commerce that is here for the businesses that you could be a subgroup of that 
you know, I think the key thing is listening and access to city electeds and city staff, and, and that wouldn't change. Uh, so off the top of my head, uh, those are thoughts cast that I throw out. Thanks very much. Thanks. And uh, maybe just to tease out the discussion, I will, um, I'll reiterate, I think the th I had three ideas and they align with uh, Chris's. Um, the first is we can move to quarterly meetings and meetings just like this where we publish an agenda that will vote on key things that we want to carry forward to city council, um, work with our liaisons, but do it on a quarterly basis. I do think the challenge with that is it could slow us down because we're waiting quarterly to come together to get alignment. Part of being a committee like this is we can't have any renegades, one or two people going off and doing things. We, we want to come together, get the best of our ideas, and then propose those. But that is one way to do it, is to move this to a quarterly um, meeting cycle, which would mean we would need to just plan much better on what we, what we want to get done the next three months and have everyone align with it and then pursue it. So that's one idea. The second idea is to disband this committee altogether, no longer have a Brown Act committee, but divide us into working groups. And I can think of like right now, possibly four working groups. One would be a group that continues the work around marketing and social media and uh, very closely collaborating with uh, the chamber. Um, another working group would be working on the business improvement district. A third would be working around diversification and continue that effort to really diversify our businesses. And that would also be part of business development. So looking at our vacancies and how we bring in the types of businesses we want. And then the, the fourth, I think, um, would be more of an analytical, but on our next topic, when we look at the sales tax reports on a quarterly basis, really understanding where our revenues are coming from and leading discussions on how we can improve our revenues and where we can invest. So that's the th second idea is like kind of come for these working groups and I would recommend each working group have a council liaison who you know provides direction or leases communicating, but we wouldn't do that under the guise of the Brown Act and have these meetings, these working groups um, would work and they'd make recommendations to city council and the city council would deliberate in public. And then the third is, as Chris suggested, we take this committee and we say, hey, let's be a nonprofit, right? Or set up like South Central Beautiful. And uh, we work as a, a group on a basis like we think, and we can go to the city and make recommendations. We can pursue funds from alternate sources uh, and try to improve the cities as more as an independent working group. So I throw out those three as just to foster some conversation. I see our CEO and president of the chamber with her hand up. Hi, Julie. Hi, Tom. Uh, instead of doing quarterly, how about every other month? That would give us, you know, have it on the odd months or the even numbered months, whatever, whatever we select so everybody can remember that it's the even month or the odd month and just have it every, I think, I think once a quarter, too many things are going to get maybe lost um, or we lose our momentum as you said as you say but maybe every other month might be an idea instead of every month and what it 
if we start meeting in person, does Surge have to run the Zoom? Do we have to have Surge in the room? Would that free him up to be one less city staff person during these meetings? I don't know if that is something that can be done, but those are just two ideas that I have. And Julie, on that, Surge might be able to weigh in, but I do believe even in-person meetings need to be reported. Um, and so you require, you require IT support. Quite frankly, it's it's even more complicated in person than it is uh, turning on the record button on Zoom. Um, I think you know there's equipment in the in the meeting rooms. Any other thought? Okay, so Julie, wonderful recommendation of going to bi monthly. Um, any other thoughts? Don. Yeah, I, I actually have a question uh, because I don't have a lot of experience in these circles, and that is if we become an informal nonprofit or some other form of, of non-city group outside the system, I'd be curious as the comments of people who have experience, more experience inside the governing of a city as to whether that will materially reduce our ability to actually get ideas noticed and actually help in the way that we're doing with all of us being volunteers you know the it is not that everybody has to accept our ideas or any person's ideas but the idea that if you're going to do the volunteer work a lot of which is outreach into the community um, and gathering of ideas as opposed to putting forth of ideas um, then we'd want to know that such a change for the very reasonable goals that Chris outlined would not reduce the impact of that volunteer time. And I, I have that same question, Don. You know, mm -hmm. if we are not a city of council appointed committee, would a independent group get the same ear, right? Or the same weighting on its recommendations? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, Cass, you're up. Um, Chris, do you have a perspective on that? No. Um, Cass, well, let's hear your thoughts. Um, I actually would like to, to see a combination almost of um, we go to month, uh, every other month or quarterly meetings, but we still stay a Brown Act committee. Can we also become uh, a nonprofit? Can we do both of those? I don't know if Chris has got thoughts on that or. Well, if you want to be a, a nonprofit, then um, the rules you follow are set by your board or your, your, yeah, your, your charter, whatever you set up to your bylaws. Um, if you want to be a nonprofit, uh, and if you want to be a nonprofit that complies with the Brown Act. You know that's 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 your choice um i think the one thing that i know is the posting of the agendas uh the recording of the agendas the uh, follow-up on the agendas um, and the staff involvement and all that uh, that's where the time 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 constraints or the time uh, demands come in and uh, when uh, sauce little beautiful meets uh, they meet with us on a on a regular basis uh, they don't um 
invite us to their meetings unless they want to uh, or they need us to come but the relationship is strong uh, so I think that model is one that obviously works here it doesn't rely on the City Council you know providing staffing for them or you know the City Council working with them on their agendas it's them doing what they believe is an in interest of their their group so here um, it's a little bit different because um, you know you have a lot of uh, real uh, aligned interests whether it's the business committee in the chamber or it's the city and the need to have successful businesses in our community and then when you throw in the idea of all of the um, parameters that government has to comply with uh, that's what creates uh, the time issues and and so in Sausalito's case uh, you know I think I've told you all this this is my ninth city uh, and, and I have never seen the amount of committees, commissions, task force, and so forth in, in any one place, not in Phoenix, not in Glendale, Arizona, not in Anaheim, <laughs> but Sausalito, you've got, you know, you want me to read them to you? No. No? no. We know. Okay. Yeah, you got, you got a, a quite the, uh, it's like you built something 20 years ago and you didn't undo it. And you kept adding to it and it's becoming more rickety and rickety because what's holding it up is, is staff that has to be there for it. And all the good ideas that come from the community, if there isn't uh, a way to implement them or listen to them, and all of a sudden, you know, staff is not getting to the things we need to get to, then you get frustrated and all of a sudden you feel like my volunteerism isn't being honored, my expertise isn't being honored. So uh, you're, you're one of the committees that has really taken uh, this seriously and, you know, put in on your agenda, inviting this conversation, beginning to to go through it, um, but other groups haven't been as diligent as you. Um, I've yet to hear from about 20 others, uh, but I'm looking forward to them. But I'm just, you know, really, really um, pleased that you all uh, are taking this so seriously because, you know, we do want to honor volunteer ideas and people with real life expertise that we have in Sausalito, that invest in Sausalito, that live in Sausalito, that own business in Sausalito. Uh, and so you allow us to do that. We just got to figure out a way to do it more efficiently because uh, it's in combination with a bunch of other things that the city is required to do besides economic development and business retention and attraction. Said a lot, sorry. Hey, um, thank you, Chris. Uh, Monica, you're on mute, Monica. Thank you. Um, just a couple of thoughts. Um, with the with the um, business development work that we've been doing, the planning commission, uh, planning department interaction, that does take time away from staff, but it's really important given some of the issues that we've been dealing with. So somehow we need to maintain some sort of connection in that regard. And I appreciate the meetings that I've been able to have with the planning staff and there's been some improvement there. So that's just one comment because I think Timing is of the essence with all of the vacancies and the business uh, businesses that we're going after. One thought, and maybe somebody already said this, but maybe we should have um, one of the executives from the South Little Beautiful come in and talk about how we might be able to organize ourselves around what they've been doing. Because um, that would give us some education on how they operate. And, you know, we can maybe think about that in parallel to some of the other. So those are just two comments. Thank you, Monica. Um, Chris. Yeah, I was just going to offer, um, you know, we formed a nonprofit 
for the VIPs, for the Volunteers in Public Safety. And um, we have our own board of directors. We set our own agendas. We do our own minutes. Um, we do have the meeting at the police department and Lieutenant Gregory, Chief Gregory, she's invited to come in. Um, any, any of the officers can come, um, but they're not required. And Dawn, of course, comes in as well. Um, but of course, it's just as a support um, situation. And then if we have questions that really require them, um, our chair, you know, of the department or of the city um, in regards to process or protocol, then our chair, you know, makes an appointment with the chief or whoever it may be um, to get those questions clarified at a later date, not necessarily right at that moment. So it is, it is feasible. I mean, we've been doing it, we'll celebrate our 20, 20th anniversary next year. Um, and, um, you know, if you're a nonprofit, <laughs> um, there's an opportunity to, you know, raise some money on our own and not necessarily depend on the city. Um, and then you just have to, you know, have somebody file your taxes and things of that sort. So it's always good to have a, an attorney or a CPA on your on your board, but um, which we do with the with the um, VIPs and and you know he filed our articles of incorporation and we have our bylaws. Um, we just had election of officers, so it it is doable. We've been doing it for 20 years, and um, you know we're pretty self sufficient. We really don't depend on the department, but we certainly welcome them to come if they if they want to come. So. I just offer that as background. I, as Tom Chair, I, I'm a big fan of Sausage Beautiful and the work they do. Um, but I think our mission is so different. If I were to summarize our mission, it's to increase the revenues of the city. And I, I have a hard time seeing a, a nonprofit being structured and attracting people with a mission of increasing the revenues of the city. <coughs> I mean, it's, it's just, it seems odd. Um, and that's where I think our advisory work and here's recommendations and here's things we can do. Um, like Monica's comments on business development, that's all about filling vacancies with the types of tenants we want that bring in higher dollars and increase our revenues. The marketing work we're doing is all about increasing the revenues of the city. Um, diversification, right? The work that the Malcolm and John and Rachel did uh, in understanding, you know, our mix of tenants and ultimately who's who's in compliance and not with their taxes, right? So I have a hard time saying, let's create a nonprofit group with that mission. Um, but I could see us, um, well, I, I won't share my thoughts just yet. I'll let, I'll let others talk and I can share some thoughts. So Don, you had your hand up. Uh, actually, that was, from my, that was from my prior comment, but I will say that, uh, you know, I, I think just being open to looking at these things, but the thing is, if we're here, as, as I mentioned, if we're here to help, we want to make sure we are helping, not in the sense of ego or anything else, but in the sense of simply using the systems efficiently for all concerns, so. Yes. Tom's frozen. Sure, right, Julie. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm frozen. Actually, Can you hear you me? You were. You were. Oh, 
but uh, I, I just wanted to say that the reason I had my hand up a few minutes ago was to have Chris Gallagher talk about VIPs and how they, how they were formed. We have somebody right here on the committee that knows how to form the nonprofit that works with the city. So instead of calling in Sasso Beautiful, we've got Chris here, uh, you know, use her ideas. And then we can also talk to Sausalito Beautiful, but I mean, um, if that's the way we decide to go, I'm concerned that we will not have the effect on the city council that we have as a city committee. Sausalito Beautiful is a formidable group. Believe me, they they have, have a lot of say, but um, I don't know that we're going to have the impact if we go off as as a nonprofit. But I'd like to hear. I mean, obviously the VIPs do, and so maybe there's a way to way way to do it. We need to look at all options. My concern is I don't want to lose our influence as ADAC um, with the city. Thank you, Julie. Um, Mr. Duray. Thanks, Tom. Uh, I wanted to agree with, uh, with what you said, Tom. Um, I'm having a little hard time uh, kind of thinking about how a, a nonprofit who, whose mission is to drive profits for the city uh, could actually work. And I think before we pursue that path, we would need to contact an attorney uh, who has expertise in, in you know, 501c3s, whatever, so we could determine whether or not that's even possible, because I know there's a lot of, you know, restrictions as to the mission. Um, and, you know, there's also uh, uh, a lot of um, filings, you know, um, to set the, the thing up to, um, you know, we'll need uh, uh, president, treasurer, vice president, um, the annual filings. And um, so it's, you know, there is a, 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 some work there. So uh, I'm kind of leaning away from the, the nonprofit. Um, and then the other thing I would say about the, the meetings, um, I think uh, if we start with quarterly meetings and it doesn't work, then uh, we could always try and move to, um, uh, you know, every other month uh, meetings. So those are my comments. Tom, can I say one thing while everybody's talking about, they don't know how a nonprofit can bring business to a community. The Chamber of Commerce is a non-profit group that brings business to the community. Um, it can be done. The Chamber of Commerce, I mean, I'm just doing, oh, this is the this is the new visitor guide. So we have over a hundred businesses on this. That's what the Chamber of Commerce does. So yes, a nonprofit can bring and support business. And that's what the Chamber of Commerce does. So um you know, I kept hearing people say nonprofits can't encourage business. Yes, nonprofits can encourage business and nonprofits can help the community. I think, but, so. Julie, our comment is slightly different. We don't want to create another <laughs> chamber of commerce. What we're yeah. trying to do is increase the revenues to the city, which involves things like different types of taxes and enforcement. There's many other things. And, um, and that's a different mission than what the chamber has. Right, the chamber's mission is to make businesses successful, which in turn makes the city successful. But it's um, it's a little more city self-serving. What we're trying to do as an EDAC members, um, just to maybe 
throw out what I'm thinking, and then, well, Chris, before I throw out what I'm thinking, we'll come, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, well, Julie's on to something, uh, Chair Riley. Uh, there are a number of different uh, nonprofit corporations formed in, in my world, and certainly in Arizona and in San Diego County that are nonprofits that are set up to bring in business, attract businesses, retain businesses, uh, but in a more um, directed fashion as opposed to a chamber. Um, you know, so those examples, uh, um, they're not incongruent. You could be a nonprofit and be out there to enhance the city's bottom line. Uh, I think uh, that's, that's something that I've seen work. Uh, something I worked with in Arizona called the Greater Phoenix Economic Development Corporation. It's all the cities, but it was a, a, a nonprofit. I'm not sure what it was, a 501C what, but it was uh, designed exactly to do that, bring revenue and jobs to a city or to a community or to a region. So they're not, not I think you can do that in the sense of you, if you think you have a nonprofit, but you can't find profit for a city, I think there's a lot of examples that would lead you down that path if you want to do that. That's a good example to look at, uh, Cass. I think John had his hand up before me. Oh, John. Oh, John. I'm done. Okay. Sorry. That's fine. Um, I just think if we go to quarterly meetings or every other month, I think we're going to have to actively um, be sure that the committees, the subcommittees, uh, pick up the slack. They're they're going to have to meet you know, on regular basis and, and really get things done in between those meetings. So that's my only comment. And I'll just, I'll throw out what, what, what my recommendation would be. Um, originally I was thinking of, um, let's move just a project based and kind of not have an advisory committee, uh, but ask volunteers to work on specific projects. But listening to some of the comments here about the concerns about not being a city council appointed committee and maybe not having the gravitas uh, than if we were just volunteers and trying to bug the city erratically. Um, I'm, I'm leaning towards moving to quarterly based meetings um, so that we have a bigger reduction on staff dependency, but we organize into very efficient working groups that actually autonomy to bring rations to staff independent of the broader EDAC so that we are not held up to, you know, quarterly, you know, do some work, come back, get alignment and go. So we just say, hey, we have a working group that has the autonomy to make recommendations to um, city staff. So it'd be like kind of project-based, but we come back quarterly, get updates and set priorities for the next quarter. And then we have working groups that have the autonomy to engage with staff and the council liaisons uh, and make recommendations to the city council. And so we don't get slowed, we, we minimize our impact on staff, um, but we don't get slowed down by the quarterly cycle. It would be one, what I'd recommend. Um, Don, you have your hand up. Uh, I was just gonna say that I you summarized pretty well kind of the direction I was thinking of what would be the best trade-off. Um, I also agree with uh, what Monica and Cass were saying about how the subcommittees would have to be, there'd have to be more of a sense of drive to have interim results and to judiciously reach out to the city when necessary on things. Uh, 
but uh, I, I agree with you that re retaining the, the uh, city connections, going to quarterly meetings, and then pushing the subcommittees, the aggression level in the subcommittees to keep getting things done, that feels to me like the, the most productive, as one member of this group, that feels to me like the most productive trade-off. Thank you, Don. Chris. So did I hear you right? Can you clarify that the subcommittees would then have the, you know, the blessing to go forth to the city council with recommendations from whatever that subcommittee is without the whole recommendation from the EDAC? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, that would be my recommendation. Okay. Well, I would have some concerns. I mean, not that I don't trust anybody, but I mean, I guess I, I, being a member of EDAC and something presented to the city council saying, you know, I'm here presenting on behalf of the EDAC and I, I know nothing about it. I, I would feel really uncomfortable about that because I, I get caught even today, you know, people asking me and I, there's things that I'm not sure about. So well, I, just have, well, I have some oh. concerns about things being presented to the city council on behalf of the whole committee that we don't even know about. So that's my two cents. Okay, thank you. Okay, and why don't I suggest we go to Cast and Don if you have final comments, then we'll go to public comment, and then we can come back and have a, a further discussion. Okay. Yeah, I, I have to agree with Chris on that. Um, I could see that the working groups or subcommittees, whatever they're called, would um, you know inter feel free to interact with staff when they needed staff input, but that the the committee as a whole needs to come together to have recommendations to the council. Okay. Any other comments right now? Okay, let's go to public comment and then we can come. Oh, I see Monica raise her hand. Monica. I think I was going to jump on the bandwagon with everybody. If we do it that way, that puts the burden on city council for all of the responses. So we've got four or five different people coming to city council from the different working groups. So yeah, it's just another way of operating, but it might mean that we don't get the same uh, thrust of recognition because I think the, the committee altogether is very strong and very powerful. And I don't mean powerful in the, that word, but I mean, we've worked together really, really well and if we present as a group, I think it's just as strong anyway. So. My, only, my only concerns is uh, today we meet on a monthly basis right. on Brown Act, and I find a very hard, very slow decision-making. This is a very slow, we get a lot done, but it's very slow. And now we move to quarterly, it's gonna be even slower. And I, I just, I fear we lose momentum yeah, um, I, I at a quarterly basis. I mean, right now, at a monthly basis, it's hard. Right. Uh, it takes sometimes two, three meetings. So if you think back about us wanting to recommend twelve different things that we wanted feedback from the city on, what we could work on, it took us three to four months. That could that in a quarterly set of meetings, it could take a year. Um, so that's my concern: is if everything is subject to us aligning and voting. Um, then it's hard to get things done in one meeting. Yeah. Okay, well, let's let's do this. Let's go to um, let's go to public comment. This was kind of questions, and 
Let's go to public comment, and then we can come back and have a final discussion to see if we can align our set of recommendations. So, Serge, can you open up for public comment? Sure, Chair Riley, looks like we have Peter Van Meter. Peter, you've been unmuted, and I can share your video. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes, Peter. All right, thank you. Uh, very interesting conversation. And uh, I guess I've got a couple of concerns based on what's been said so far. Uh, it seems to me that you need to have the official recognition of the city in order to have the kind of clout that you've been discussing. In order to maintain that kind of uh, clout, let's call it, I think you need to be one cohesive group. This idea of fragmenting into separate subgroups, uh, my opinion on that is that would not be good. Maybe it's efficient somehow in the, how those subcommittees work. But that would be more confusing going to the council from multiple sources without a consensus of the entire group. So I would avoid that. And really in the simplest sense, we're talking about staff here. So why can't this, this EDAC be structured where it is not subject to the same rules as a city appointed committee? I've heard terms like task force used in the past, in fact, to quote bypass some of the requirements of uh, Brown Act or other con other concerns that you're having in terms of process. Doesn't eliminate public participation, doesn't stop you from following due process, but maybe can make it simpler, and also to not have staff timing at all. Like, what would really happen if you had these meetings with no staff participating? Why not save the staff time? In other words, basically try to find a structure that lets you keep doing what you're doing today, but without having staff uh, time involved with the only coming to you on a as requested basis where you need a specific input on a specific problem. Uh, now finally, uh, having some close relationship but not a particular with Cecily the Beautiful, I can simply say that I would be a little bit cautious about using that particularly as a model. I think uh, Chris's example of the VIPs might be a better model to think of and also some that uh, Chris Apata mentioned in terms of what you see in other cities. But I would just say this, in terms of setting up Sausage Beautiful, the idea of drafting a mission statement, setting up all the corporate entities, uh, the legal issues involved, uh, the financial structure involved, allowing you to be into independent fundraising, all the rest of that. Um, I think that that is just something to be a little bit cautious about. Uh, but if there are ways that a higher economic development commission in another city has operated, uh, that, that uh, Chris can talk to you about, uh, that might be a little bit better model than uh, using the Salsa of Beautiful example because it's really a different kind of organization in my opinion. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Our next speaker is Sandra Bushmaker. Sandra, you've been unmuted and uh, you share your video. Welcome, Sandra. Hi, good afternoon. I also have uh, some reluctance to endorse a nonprofit model unless you can sit down as a committee and come up with a concise mission statement that guides your, uh, your program. And I, like uh, Mr. Dre, had some concerns, and Tom uh, had some concerns about how a nonprofit could be promoting profit uh, for the city. And it just seems incongruent, but nevertheless, it could, it's possible it could be done. I have set up several uh, 501c3s and and have experience with that but there are very strict rules requiring this committee to have a board regular meetings minute books 
annual filings, a, a whole number of things uh, that that you don't have presently. So I would just be real cautious about that. And what, remember, once your mission statement is is um, uh, developed, you you have to limit all of your activities to inside that mission statement. So I just want to put that out there for your consideration. Thanks. Thank you, Zoe. Sandra. Um, at this time, Serge, any other public comment? Chair Riley, there are no other hands raised. Okay, so we'll, let's just go to comment, but I, I'd like to provide some structure so we have a productive conversation. Um, first off, I, I do want us to follow through on the city manager's request to all committees to come back with recommendations on how they can streamline themselves. We don't have to go back with one recommendation or one answer. I think what we can do is go back with, hey, here's two or three different ways we can set ourselves up. And Chris and staff can um, get input from all the other committees and determine in a big picture which ones they might want to shut down, which ones they might want to combine, and how they want to streamline some of them. So I think this conversation gives us some ideas. And the ideas I have is, you know, go to either bi-monthly or quarterly meetings and we could summarize the, the pros and cons of that. Um, creating a you know Greater Phoenix Economic Development Corporation, much like a software for South Toledo, that notion of a nonprofit, um, or just kind of going to project-based is the, the alternatives. And I think just Chris having that kind of structure from us or what he hears from the other committees uh, then in totality they can look at it and say hey here's how we move all these pieces to streamline all the workload that the city has would be one one approach but now we can open up for uh, closing comments from all the committee members no comments no one uh chris so um not to beat a dead horse but um this project-based group i mean i guess i have concerns submitting that in a letter unless all of us agree that that's one of the scenarios we want to submit because i'm just wondering um the scenario if a group a subgroup goes before the city council I would think the city council would be hesitant to make any kind of decision, um, wondering, well, is the whole EDAC behind you? Um, does Chair Riley know about this? You know, <laughs> I mean, you don't yeah. want to be caught off guard. So, I uh, mean, Chris, there needs uh, to be a... Uh, you're right, I, I misstated. I, I, I think your original concern, I agree with. Um, when I said project-based, I, I, what I mean by party base is we just disband EDAC altogether. And there's just volunteers working on projects um, and EDAC is gone, okay? So that's the other option. We, we serve at the discretion of city council. And um, if city council says we do not want an EDAC, but we want, we go, hey, we want a working group that divides the city on marketing and social media spent, right? We're volunteers, we're marketing specialists, and the city has a contract with CDA and we want to help that. That's a project. Um, hey, we're a bunch of people interested in a bid and the city wants to support a bid. We're a bunch of volunteers that'll work with the city on, you know, what, what's a bid. So, and DDAC just goes away in that sense. 
well, then the city can say that now. I mean, we don't really need to submit any options. I mean, I was part of the BAC and the hospitality when the city just came in despite our feelings about things and said, you're done, you're gone, and now we have this. So, I mean, the city could do that now without any of our input and make a decision on how they would see the group go forward. But I guess if we're gonna submit a letter outlining here are our options i think it's important that we all agree on what those options are so or we take a vote maybe we all don't agree but so concur okay concur with that um all right uh, i see cast don and welcome scott so let's go in that order cast sure um i think that eventually if we go forward with the business improvement district that that's going to become the nonprofit. i mean they are nonprofits. And uh, so I think we should, now that we know that there's support within the city to pay for consultants to pull together a, um, a bid, I think eventually that would become the nonprofit that we've been discussing. Thank you, Don. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Cass, I understand your point and, and that makes sense. I think that what the business improvement district will do is a subset of what we're trying to do to help the city in EDAC. So, uh, so I would see a continued purpose for EDAC trying in, in kinds of ways we're talking about, but in it as a formal city structure, but with reduced numbers of meetings, looking for other ways to reduce staff time. Uh, I, I would not see that as making EDAC superfluous because it's only a portion of what we do that that would uh, take that form. So, uh, so for that reason, I, I continue to believe that uh, at the pleasure of the city council, that a continued EDAC is worth doing uh, in a way in which we lower our footprint on on city time. Thank you, Scott. Um, I was just going to quickly mention um, I missed a good portion of this conversation, but. Um, but in my in my experience and working with other nonprofits and on other boards, um, I, I will say that I felt a little hindered in, by the structure um, and uh, and formality of this group. And then I do think we can move a little faster at times um, if you weren't prohibited uh, by doing so by certain things like the Brown Act and other other things. That some of that um, that formality does slow us down. Uh, and I think when when we are taking care of precious city time and resources, the one thing we need to do is uh, is have a bias toward action, um, have a, a desire to support our city partners and, and get things done. Um, and, and I think we can move a little faster in doing that. So I would just wanted to voice that I would be supportive of, of task forces or, or some other means of moving projects forward. I feel like we've been a lot more successful in our small groups within EDAC as uh, as opposed to as the, as the whole organization uh, in these sessions. So um, my two cents. And I and I will be sure to get caught up to speed so I'm sure I hear all the other comments. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Monica. Okay, this might sound a little self-serving, but in the work that I have been doing, um, it has been a very worthwhile comment to call another city and ask them, for best practices by saying, I'm a member of the city's economic development advisory committee. And we would really like your help. We would really appreciate any best practices. If I call a broker and I say, I'm part of the city's economic development advisory committee, 
that broker goes, oh, I have a direct link to maybe finding a way through the morass that is the current planning situation, which is what we have been doing with them. If I talk to a tenant, that tenant is very appreciative of the help and the handholding that we do. And it all is in the name or in the statement of I'm part of the city's a, a committee. Authori I'm authorized to do this for you. Uh, and that makes a big difference saying, than saying I'm a volunteer. Uh, same with landlords. You know, we, you know that we've worked with a lot of landlords to get some things done for them. And um, I think from the work that I've been involved in, that has been um, really kind of a key uh, support. I think the idea of going to task force which um, if, if in fact it does avoid the Brown Act, uh, we can do our own minutes and we can do our own Zooms, you know? We can allow the public to get into our own Zoom meetings if that would eliminate some of the staff's uh, uh, needs. So those are things I think that we could alter the way we open up to the public by doing that. So anyway, that's my two cents or three or four cents. Okay, uh, I'm going to suggest we go to Chris, but I want to I want to put another comment out there so Chris can also respond to this. What I suggest, based on this conversation, is um, I'm willing to work, and I'm going to ask Cass again as our vice chair, just to put together these different alternatives into a draft letter before our next meeting in August, and we'll bring it to this group. We'll have a further discussion and prioritization of those alternative approaches and submit our letter, you know, the first week of August to the city manager. Um, I, I don't think we're behind the curve on other committees, so I think we have that extra month. But as I'm proposing this, like if we were on quarterly cycles, I'd say let's be three months to have that discussion, right? That's the that's the challenge mm -hmm. of formal meetings, right? Because um, that work could be done probably in three or four days, but it's going to take us a month to come back together. But um, so. Chris, if you can respond to that action plan of a month from now, we as a, a committee align on our approach and recommendations. And if you have any other thoughts, uh, let us know. Yeah, I, I just wanted to close my thoughts and thank this group for the serious and uh, vigorous conversation about how to be effective and efficient. Um, and I want to point out that, you know, the city needs all the help they can get. But in helping the city, you help the businesses in the city, you help the residents in the city. So it's not just helping the city. It's helping us help each other. Uh, and then uh, I want to note that, you know, I sent uh, Chair Riley uh, the San Diego Regional Economic Development Corporation um, website. Uh, there are California models that are much smaller than Phoenix or San Diego, Tri-Valley or Tri-City, uh, Tri-Valley. Uh, I'll find some smaller ones for you that might make some sense for you as well. But, you know, I can't thank you enough uh, for you know the ideas and, and the thoughts that you know are flowing out of this conversation and i look forward to getting your responses in august and taking those to the city council along with the other boards committees commissions and task forces thank you uh and don do you have your hand up do you have another comment oh i had i'm sorry to add one more comment i didn't want to lose track of i also served uh as a volunteer in a 501c3 and uh i just wanted to emphasize sandra bushmaker's comments about uh, those organizations are not without a lot of other obligations that take a lot of time that actually cost money the meeting the legal requirements and so on and so there are uh, in, in considering those options there are frying pan into the fire 
issues that we would have to think about as well. And I wanted to mention at this time, just since Sandra had brought it up. Thank you. Thank you. One final comment. Um, the city council did interview a number of new prospective members for this committee. Uh, and a number of us have terms coming up and a number of us are officers that we should re rethink. And we've kind of put all that on, ho on hold because of this request from uh, the city. So that's something we also need to resolve probably in the next two meetings. Uh, are we gonna add new members? Um, are we gonna change our officers and so on and so forth? So I didn't wanna gloss over that. Um, okay, uh, let's close out this item and let's move on to item 4.3. We are behind schedule and I do apologize to Ken uh, Norda from HDL. Uh, he's been waiting to present to us, uh, but um, we, on a quarterly basis, the city gets uh, sales tax revenues. And I asked Ken to present to us uh, these figures. This is our second time that HDL is presenting to us. Um, going forward, I will not be asking HDL to present to us because it is comes at a cost to the city. Um, but I think this gives time for us to learn these reports and then hopefully we can self-digest these reports in the future. Um, with that, uh, Serge, can you make sure that Ken has presentation authority? Unmute. Good afternoon. Uh, EDAC committee members, Chair Riley, uh, council members, staff, members of the public. Um, I'm going to take the opportunity to uh, run through some highlights of your most recent sales taxes. Uh, and I'm going to do that with a little PowerPoint slide deck here. So let me get that going. <clears throat> And I'm gonna do this. Oops, sorry about that. Just trying to get to. How does that look? At a winner? And yeah, that looks good. Thank you. Okay. Um, so we're going to um, just walk through very quickly. I'll try to be brief because I know you have a lot on your agenda, but um, we're going to look at 1Q uh, 2022. This would be January to uh, March sales results of this current year. So we just got this data about a month ago and have had a chance to cull through it and try to get some highlights out there for the benefit of the committee. Um, I, I would like to start with kind of a bigger picture if it's helpful to uh, just understanding what's going on in the sales tax world on a larger scale. Uh, so this is a, uh, a slide that shows the results of um, what occurred on a statewide level. And so uh, revenues uh, for this particular period uh, were up um, on a statewide level, almost 19%. You can see across the various groups that we categorize it in the, the various sales tax revenues into their strength really across the board. Um, in the prior year quarter, which would be this, uh, this would be the, uh, this column up here would be the January to March figures of 2021. This would be 2022. Um, there were some year ago, you know, uh, still some coming out of the COVID situation, some suppression of some of the results in some of the categories. So. Not surprising as the economy has more fully reopened that we're seeing bigger growth in things like uh, restaurants and hotels. We're gonna see that in your data in a minute. 
And then of course, in the fuel situation, I know we, we kind of roll your data into the autos transportation group to honor confidentiality that we have to with the, with the taxpayer information that we have, but on a statewide and, and regional level, certainly uh, much more driving was up. And then the more recent uh, February invasion of Ukraine by Russia and, and the effect that had on crude oil prices certainly had a bearing on how um, that category performed for the quarter. So kind of drilling down one level, this is just looking at the Marin County results. Uh, and you can see here, uh, again, the numbers um, would look a little crazy. Uh, they're up 58.5%. And part of that is uh, there are occasions where taxpayers make filing errors, and that happened to occur at one of the agencies in Marin County this quarter. So there's several million dollars uh, up here in this autos transportation group that is filed inaccurately. Uh, and so um, at the time we get the data, we're just kind of flagging that. It's kind of working its way through an audit process. So uh, I realize that kind of skews or hyperinflates the comparisons. I, I just did a little back of the envelope calculation and said, if I really took out what I think the error looks like, the growth on a countywide level would be much more in line with what we saw at the state around 17% and pretty consistent across a number of these categories. So let's get down to your numbers um, for this uh, first quarter of 2022. Um, your revenues are up 33%, um, uh, very strong. Uh, Tourism-based areas like Sausalito have continued to experience a lot of recovery and actually have seen numbers in some cases move beyond um, what was going on in comparable pre-pandemic period. So. Um, in your autos and transportation group, the, the big piece of that uh, gain there, that $54,000 or 100% increase, uh, again, has to do with yacht sales. We talked about that at the last meeting. It's a little uh, harder to figure out what that comparative number is gonna look like quarter to quarter, but clearly um, there was um, some very successful levels of transactions around boats and yachts in this particular period. Uh, your restaurant group has made a substantial amount of recovery. I'm going to show you some graphs here in a minute. And so um, it's a large portion of your tax base. And the same would hold true with your general retail, uh, up about 25% for the quarter. So those are kind of the big three pie wedges uh, that are driving the overall results for the quarter. Um, I'm going to mention here in the pools, the reason the number looks so anemic is partly because of that uh, allocation error I just mentioned kind of skews the way that the, the pool dollars are allocated across the various cities and towns in Marin. So I would have expected this number to have grown more like 12%. And when that, that error that I mentioned on the preceding slide gets fixed, there'll be some recovery here back into your pool revenues in a future period. So this is taking that, um, that data uh, from the current period here on the right and then just looking back uh, an additional 12 quarters. So these are 13 quarter trends. Uh, and again, your larger categories here, the dark green line being general consumer goods. And it may look to you like it's dropping off, but the way the graph kind of works, you've got to look at what's, what's going on in the first quarter of this year compared to prior periods. And you can see that the numbers in that category, for example, are up substantially. The same would hold true with your restaurants in that blue line. Uh, and then to a lesser extent, the pools because of that error, but uh, still holding strong in third place. <coughs> Excuse me. 
I pulled out just the restaurant hotel group. I thought you might find this interesting just to see uh, if we ran the Sausalito numbers for all of those businesses and the counts here are the number of uh, retail sellers permits uh, in your city along with some other agencies. And you can kind of see obviously when the pandemic was at its worst here back in 2020, things really took a pretty steep nosedive, but there's been a fair amount of recovery and uh, your city has kind of led the pack just in terms of what uh, the growth or rebound in those restaurant hotel um, businesses has been particularly over the last few quarters. Uh, we also, I think I mentioned when we did our last meeting, we take some of your data and the city has the ability to working with staff, with Chris and the staff, we can break down various areas of the community and have what are called, what are called geo areas. Um, and there's a handful of them here. They're listed uh, on the bottom with the counts. Uh, and so this lower table is just showing you how they changed uh, over this uh, one Q uh, 22 period compared to the same quarter of a year ago. So again, pretty good numbers uh, across the board. And of course, uh, places like where you have your um, your boat sales, your yacht um, businesses are gonna look uh, pretty substantial here over these last few quarters. You can see the strength that has come out of that particular piece of geography. Um, uh, downtown, which would have had more of your restaurants in it, obviously had that kind of decline, but uh, it has not come all the way back quite, but it's, I think it's just maybe slightly above uh, where it was way back in 1Q19, if you think of that as a kind of a comparable uh, pre-COVID January to March period. So by and large, um, the, the groups have, um, that went through a rough patch in, in the um, 2020 year have come back and uh, are performing well, these areas. These are some uh, per capita numbers. So uh, we look at the sales tax data of, of these agencies that are listed here. Uh, these can kind of be self-selected by staff, um, but these I think are good comps relative to the kind of community that you are. Uh, and this would show using the populations that the state gives us from the Department of Finance, this would show on a per capita basis how revenues have been performing. And so you can uh, see that Sausalito is kind of in this grouping anyways, uh, kind of pulled away into a strong second place position. Uh, Healdsburg here uh, has kind of held the, the top of that uh, particular chart uh, for a period of time. They opened a um, Montage Hotel a year or so ago, so that has helped add to their um, their tax base, which obviously has boosted their, their per capita numbers. So, Shifting over to measure O, uh, and I know uh, Chris has been good to keep me apprised of sharing that the council is taking action to not only uh, put this item on the November ballot, but to consider increasing the current half set rate to a full stand rate. But this is the data that we have for the measure O uh, voter approved tax that's in place today. So the, the gains here are not uh, dissimilar to what we saw on your sales tax and the categories aren't really different. So there's a there's there's definitely some yacht revenue in the auto transportation group, but even even some new motor vehicle sales uh, kind of helped boosted that particular um, segment. Uh, your restaurants are up very comparable, uh, general consumer goods. So again, um, those are kind of the big three that uh, pull revenues up about um, $100,000 in this current quarter over the year ago period. 
And this would just be trend lining the groups. Um, and they tend to look a little different. There's a little bit of a different tax base. There are more taxpayers in Measure O because we're monitoring things that are delivered into the city, not just businesses that um, are operating within Sausalito. Uh, and again, I would say that, you know, overall kind of zooming out and looking at some of this, um, the trend lines are, are fairly strong. Uh, business and industry is a kind of this yellowish green line. It could tend to fluctuate a little bit. And that is just largely the nature of the, um, the cycle purchasing and investing that goes on in business to business sales. This is our statewide trend. So um, we pulled together a webinar every quarter and this is a slide we, we put in there a couple of weeks ago. This just helps you see where things have historically been on a, on a statewide level with sales taxes. They were kind of, you know, just chugging along. Uh, we hit the pandemic in March of 2020. Revenues dipped a bit, um, but certainly they have more than uh, made up for that. We're actually anticipating uh, growth here of almost 15% by the time this year closes out which will occur in August. And then um, things are going to moderate down here a little bit, which I'll talk about in a second, but this is our longer term outlook. And I touched last time we met, you know, on some of the variables, I can tell you on a statewide level, you know, that revenues are up 17%. Uh, the city's revenues in the current year are, are better by 30% plus in the first three quarters of this current fiscal year. Uh, as you're all aware, I know you stay up on economic trends and issues. So uh, inflation is certainly with us. We're anticipating that's going to occur at least into early 2023. Uh, we've seen Fed hikes. There's more coming this month and beyond to try to get that under control. Uh, a lot of price instability in fuel, thanks to the war and other you know global events going on. The stock market's taken a beating. Uh, prices of goods are definitely up. Uh, the labor market is kind of interesting. The June numbers were very good in terms of employment nationally. But there's still a large number of vacancies, <coughs> excuse me, in the job market. And uh, it's causing employers to continue to put price pressure by raising employee um, salaries and benefits that get passed along. Pandemic has not gone away. So hard to say what variants will do in terms of the economy. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm recovering from a cold. Um, the bottom line, we're not on a sales tax level, we're not anticipating any uh, real declines in revenue. We're definitely going to see a deceleration from some of these uh, economic impacts. Um, and then a longer outlook would see things returning to a normal growth pattern. And of course, I'm always mindful that, you know, your tax base is constructed a little differently, as we talked at the last meeting about just the nature of your community being you know, along along the bay, very water-centric, very tourism-focused, and you've got a handful of home good manufacturers that also uh, drive a fair amount of the city sales tax revenue. So those are all things to consider. And that is uh, my presentation for this afternoon, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Ken. Uh, this is Tom. I'd like to just make a comment before we open up for questions. Um, I, the thing I'm most excited about your presentation is the comparison of Sausalito to the state of California and to Marin. Uh -huh. um, I know that last quarter I did an analysis where Sausalito's recovery from the pandemic is outperforming the state and the Marin. And you just shared the same is true for the most recent quarter, especially in the, the last recent quarters. 
And mm -hmm. I, I think it's amazing that Sausalito is outperforming the whole state and outperforming Marin. And I do believe that where I say I'm proud to be on EDAC, I think this committee is one of the primary reasons for that. Um, the social marketing spend, uh, promoting experiences in Sausalito and focusing on staycations and targeting, you know, um, people within a hundred miles radius uh, was brilliant. All the events, uh, over 30 events in the past year were, were sponsored by EDAC from Holiday by, by the Bay, Wednesday Night Live, bringing the community to downtown um, is a big part of that. The work we did with the chamber to save struggling merchants and keep them and, and have fewer vacancies, although we have a number of vacancies, we saved a lot. All this, I think, this is where you say, is EDAC having an impact? I think we saw the report says yes, because I can't think of anything else the city's done why we would outperform Marin or the, the state. So a comment, we can go to questions now. And maybe, Ken, if you can uh, take your presentation now, then we can go to gallery. Okay. Yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, Cass? Uh, thank you very much, Ken, for this comprehensive report. I really appreciate it. It's great to see how well Sausalito is doing. And um, I, I commend Tom on his comments too. I think they were well said. Uh, I just have one question. I'm pretty sure these numbers don't have any of the tenant occupancy tax in them at all, do they? They do not. No, they just have strictly the 1% uh, portion of a tax rate. It's called the Bradley Burns sales tax rate. And then your measure O revenues. So there's nothing in there related to hotel or occupancy taxes. Can we, in the future, actually include that in some way? Because the TOT is really large. I mean, it's a lot of money. Uh, and I think people need to become aware of its importance to Sausalito's tax base. I don't know if you're directing that to me or to Chris. I was, to you. Yeah, um, I, I just work on the sales tax team, uh, Cass, so we have a different uh, group of staff, a uh, different team that handles uh, business license and you know, occupancy taxes and those kind of things. So I would think that's something uh, Chris would want to, I can put him in touch with the folks on our team if, if that's something that um, the committee wants to pursue. Thanks. Mm -hmm. okay. And um, John Dre. Thanks, Tom. Uh, Ken, thank you for the uh, presentation. It's very informative. Um, I have uh, a question, same question I asked last time you were here, and it has to do with um, a particular business, which is Cartelligent, online ordering of vehicles that I believe are delivered to Sausalito. And I'm just uh, wondering, kind of yes or no, whether Sausalito sees their share of that sales tax, or is there some other corporate entity that somehow, um, you know, bypasses Sausalito? I'm asking for, you know, any numbers or values or anything, just whether or not Sausalito gets a share of that uh, sales tax on those, uh, on those vehicles, which obviously are, you know, big numbers. Yeah, I, so, I recall that question last time, and I think I looked into it subsequent to our call, and I don't recall that there's um, any filings that occur within Sausalito. And is that appropriate? Um, maybe that's a question for... Yeah, my, my review of it at the time seemed that it was appropriate. Yes. 
Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I guess I can maybe send you an email offline or something just to get a, a further clarification for that. Um, it just, uh, I don't know, does not uh, seem straightforward to me. So thank you. Okay, sure. Good question. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Malcolm for all the yacht sales that he did the past quarter. Thank you, Malcolm. <laughs> Any other questions before we go to public comment? All right, thank you, committee. Um, Serge uh, and Ken, thank you for that fabulous presentation. Sure. You're succinct. Sure. Um, and your training last time really helped this time. Good. Um, Serge, can you see if there's any public comment on Ken's presentation about the last quarter sales tax or Q1 sales tax? Uh, Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. Okay. Um, Ken, thank you very much for that report. Uh, you're welcome you're to welcome. go on, but uh, you're also free to. Uh, Enjoy your afternoon. All right. Um, we're going to move on to item. Thank you. Thank you. Item 4.4, .4, which is the marketing subcommittee report uh, led by Monica. Thanks, Tom. Uh, I'll just go through things quickly. Um, we had our Wednesday Night Live <clears throat> event on July 7th, a uh, 6th, right after the 4th of July parade and everything. And I thought, oh, nobody's going to show up. It was a fantastic fun night. The weather was perfect. The hot clams are hot, and um, everybody really had a lot of fun. Uh, coming up next, and I I don't see too many EDAC people coming to these things, nor do I see too many city council members coming to this. I think Ian shows up, but I'm just going to put it out there as a shaming thing because it's a lot of fun. It's meant to be supportive, and everybody you know really comes together. So on August 3rd, um, we're having the Marin Old Time Music Preservation Society. And this is also going to be really fun because it's banjos and fiddling. So it's really like old time toe tapping music and, you know, gives a break. I know a lot of you guys are, um, what do you call it? Uh, hot, not hot metal, what do you call it? Anyway, I know a lot of you guys are more jazz, but this is going to be fun. On November 7th, it's West Coast School. And on um, September I'm sorry, in October, it's Jerry Spolter and his 19th Broadway Jazz Band. Those three things are going to be down at the Bank of America, which we should be really calling the South Florida Center for the Arts. And it's really going to be a fun uh, event. One thing that we need to start doing, according to Scott and Kevin um, Almeida, we need to start organizing the Holiday by the Bay. So because they need to start promoting uh, all our activities by September. So we probably should get the group together and um, maybe Brian Natali can join us uh, in on some of that and help get some of that going. Um, one initiative that we started looking at, and I just bring it up for awareness, is um, Cass is always complaining about January, February, March. No business, no bodies, no buddy, nothing, right? So, um, Janelle has a group that she, we are using it as a test case. She has a group that is about 80 people and they want to come here in December. Of course, that's not the best month, but we put together all the hotels and Spinnaker and we talked a little bit about the, the meeting ability at the Center for the Arts on Monday and Tuesday. And we're starting to talk about something called the Sausalito Conference Campus. 
meaning we could put all the hotels together, market them together, do some marketing for some of the other uh, locations, and we put together a mock program for them, which was a two opening ceremony, two days of events, and a closing ceremony, and we used so many facilities that we've got a plan for how we could market something like this. So it's something we could bring up again in the marketing committee, but it's a great, I think a really cool idea. We have a hundred and, I think it's 168 hotel rooms in the four hotels that are downtown. They're all different price points. So it could really be something that we could pull together and, and make work. So that's a marketing economic development idea that we are working on. Um, we also got together as a separate thing. The biggest vacancy we have is 101 Caledonia. It's about 7,000 square feet and they've lost their tenants again. And so we had a kind of a gathering and a brainstorming. Chris was there, Janelle was there, a couple of other Caledonia members. And we're really trying to start, we're trying to start brainstorming on what we could do to really get something going on that. And I think it's gonna be challenging, but we'll, we're, that's one of the efforts that EDAC should be doing. And we should be doing it in coll collaboration with the city so that if there's benefits or whatever that they can offer, we can uh, tell the landlord that. Um, so that's all I have on marketing, unless I forgot something. That, does Scott need to say, you're gonna talk about bid later, right? I mean, uh, branding later, right? Okay, so that's that's all I have on that. So, done. Tom, you're on mute. I do that all the time. Thank you, Monica. And also thanks for all the work you did in putting together the uh, float for July 4th with uh, the folks from um, Marin City. So I know that that was a huge success as well. Any questions for Monica? Okay, Serge, can you let me know if there's, we'll open up for public comment and see if there's any public comment on Monica's presentation. Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. Okay. Uh, just let everyone know our city manager had the drop to go prepare for another meeting. Um, so uh, he's not here. If we have any questions for him, I will make sure to follow up with him uh, directly. Um, at this time, I'd like to move to Scott and Violet, I believe, um, from CDA. Kevin Almeida is not able to join us, but Scott, if you can provide an update on our marketing and social media outreach program. And for the sake of time, I'm going to pass it directly to Vio. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Vio is on the team working with Kevin um, and Anthony um, as part of our CDA uh, team. Um, and Vio specifically leads uh, PR and, uh, and some of the other uh, account management work that she does uh, for us at CDA. So um, happy to have Vio with us today. And yeah, um, Serge, can we just make sure that she has access to share her screen? I think she'll be presenting a few slides. Yes, she's already been called. Fantastic. Um, let me know when you all can see it and we can get started. Yep, we can see you. Wonderful. Can you? All right, great. Um, so thank you everybody for having me today. Uh, my name is Violet, also known as Bio, as Scott mentioned. I'm filling in for Kevin, who apologizes greatly that he couldn't join us today. He was feeling a little bit under the weather. So I'm just going to go over some of the updates uh, since our last meeting. Uh, to begin, some of the coverage highlights that we received, uh, 4th of July was a big hit um, on all the you know regular media outlets that we reach out to. 
Uh, there was also some pickup in some of the Visit California uh, PR calls this month. Uh, the houseboats made it into the not to miss design in California. So continuing to be popular was also picked up last month. And then uh, Shanutsky Yacht, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, um, that one got picked up in sunrise and sunset locations. So that's cool because that's obviously a revenue driving attraction. Come on this tour and see a beautiful sunset here in South Salt Lake. Um, as I mentioned, July 4th was really popular. So I just wanted to quickly go over some of the coverage we got for that particular event. Um, it was on three different uh, TV channels or news stations. Um, ABC was there covering live. Uh, they also broadcasted that coverage on multiple uh, broadcasts throughout the day. Uh, it was also mentioned on CBS, a live clip, and also on Fox Bay area. It was mentioned uh, day of and prior. Uh, uh, some activities to do you know in the bay area for fourth of july it was also uh, very strong in online coverage with some bigs like sf chronicle cbs um, and cron4 uh, it also was in the online and print versions of marin magazine uh, the wednesday night live the hot clams was also uh, featured in the online version of marin magazine uh, both of the events had photos associated with it, so that's really nice kind of some visualization for people. So we always like to get coverage like that. Uh, next, we completed the uh, South Salido playlist um, on Spotify. So this is uh, songs that were recorded at the record factory. Uh, we have different genres depending on why people are traveling to South Salido. So we'll um, be adding this to the PDF that we're sending out to businesses that also have the information on how to send us content and get in touch with us. So that will be included there. It's just a great way to continue building on the brand as South Salido as, you know, an art artist uh, community with both music and art, you know, flourishing. So we want to definitely continue with that messaging and we'll roll out with a formal announcement later that uh, next month and also begin to use this music in some of the Instagram reels that we create. Um, lastly, just wanna go over some of the KPIs and how we're tracking uh, this quarter so far um, in regards to earned media. So whatever coverage we get um, in newspapers and online magazines, as well as the owned media, uh, which would be our website and social media accounts. Um, some things to here, uh, and as you will see, there was a huge jump here in digital needed uh, coverage views. Uh, a lot of that was because of 4th of July, but it also got picked up in an MSN feed, which had like 770k views on it. So that's a, you know, big reason for that jump. Um, also, you will see an increase here in the traditional audience, which um, had to do mainly with the coverage we received for the South Salido Art for Ukraine event as well as the recent uh, 4th of July coverage that we received as well. Um, in regards to social media, we're continuing to see a steady growth here uh, quarter after quarter. The trends are um, remaining the same and we're continuing on the idea of looking for, you know, creators that are visiting the city and reaching out to them and then resharing their content as a way to provide inspiration for, you know, other visitors as well. So we will continue uh, working on those kinds of interactions with people coming into the city. Um, and I don't believe there was any kind of paid media that we did in this last uh, beginning of this quarter so far. So nothing to report there. Um, it went pretty quickly through all of that. So if anybody has any questions, I'm happy to answer all of that now, but also I know um, Monica mentioned we'll be gearing up for Holiday by the Bay, but as you know, events are kind of slowing down right now. Um, I just have, 
you know, Wednesday Night Live and Jazz and Blues by the Bay kind of on my radar at the moment. Wanted to discuss as well and put it out there to see what you all would like to focus on promoting these couple of months too. And I'll stop sharing my screen now. All right, thank you, Vio. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Vio. Um, any any ideas on other, we only have a set number of events, but um, I do like when we had, you know, promoting Sausalito for wellness, you know, coming into the fall, it'd be another great event that fills our rooms and restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, any other thoughts? And I see a couple of hands. So we'll go to Monica and then Chris. Chris was, Chris was first. Go, go, Chris. Chris. Doesn't matter. Um, so, a uh, couple things. I mean, is it possible that we can get a copy of the report? Because I like to digest it a little bit more and look at some of the links that you provided. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yes. Uh, if you give it to Serge, he can send it out to the committee. Um, and just so you know, it's referred to as the record plant, not the record factory. So just terminology sake. Um, and then I do know, I mean, I assume that the chili cook-off will be coming up in September. I know um, Brian is adding two more Jazz by the Bays, at least he indicated that at 4th of July that he would probably be doing that, um, that it's not on the record yet. And then um, of course, there's the Halloween parade. Sausalito loves a parade, so there will be a Halloween parade. So anyway, those are my comments, so. I just wanna to quickly touch on the record factory record plant because I was also trying to look into some clarification into that. And from my understanding, if anybody knows, if not, I can confirm with them, is that it was originally called record plant, but the new owners changed it to factory. So I was gonna say, Record Factory, formerly known as Record Plant, in all my coffee for it. Um, I don't know. Sorry, if anybody else would have any thoughts or knowledge. That's, that's fine. I think most people know it as Record Plant, though. So sure, sure that makes sense. Anyway, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank okay. you, Chris. I can't hear you, Tom. He's frozen. The new owners didn't get the Monica. I okay. can't. I didn't hear that whatever you said, Tom, sorry. Yes. Um, I would just say for, um, we're just working on a um, fundraiser for the Sausalito Center for the Arts, and it's going to be fantastic because we happen to be fortunate to have one of the Bay Area's, if not the country's renowned magicians living here on a floating boat, floating home in Sausalito. And he's offered to do a pro bono magic show that would be in the Center for the Arts, and it will be a ton of fun um, from 6 to 8 on August 4th. And I can send out the flyer. We just finished the flyer, and it's just been posted on the web. <clears throat> it's, it's a fundraiser that it's a $250 ticket, but the ticket gives you the show, some alcohol, some food, and a one-year uh, membership to the Sausalito Center for the Arts. And we have capacity of 50 people going to be fun. The next Saturday and Sunday, he's going to do some pop-ups in the uh, Center for the Arts. So that's an August event along with the Wednesday Night Live. So it's going to be a busy Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, first week of August. So don't go on vacation, Tom. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay, that's all. Thank you, Monica. Leo, thank you for that great presentation. Um, Serge, at this time, let's open up for public comment on the uh, CBA presentation and Scott's presentation. Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. All right, thank you. Let's move on to item 4.6. Uh, Cass, could you provide just an update on the street lighting project? Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, we are now looking to create a merchants association to carry on the light project um, because the chamber isn't going to do it. So we have to find an organization that can do it because uh, it's big and we need insurance and stuff like that. So uh, I met with Lloyd Silverstein about what they did in Hayes Valley and he uh, gave me some pointers and is also giving me other pointers. I'd also like Chris, I'm gonna reach out to you about the nonprofit that you created because uh, I, I just need somebody's expertise. So if you're willing to do that, that would be great. But that's where we are. We're, um, we're at the point where we need to uh, start our own uh, nonprofit, which is why I think uh, nonprofits for BDAC might be a really good idea. Or when we have a business, if we get a business improvement district, they would take on something like this. Um, so, so still a lot of enthusiasm. Still have, uh, but it, you know, it's Sausalito. It's going to take time. Thank you, Cass. Uh, any questions for Cass? Uh, Serge, just following our protocol, can we open up for public comment on item 4.6, Cass's update regarding the lighting project? Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. Wonderful. Um, Monica, you gave a bit of a business development update before, but if you have any other comments, we have you on the agenda to provide a business development update on under item 4.7. I do, I have a few more things to add. Um, and I'll go quickly, because I know we're running late. Uh, there are two properties for sale that I think are significant to know about. The 719 Bridgeway building is for sale where the mural is and the developer or the owners could not get a developer entity to uh, take it on. So they're, prop they're selling it to someone and they want to get out of Dodge. Um, sa sailors, uh, the restaurant Sailors, uh, Sean Sailor is um, also retiring. So his property and his restaurant are for sale along Bridgeway. It's a big loss because he's a great community uh, supporter and his two properties and his restaurant are for sale. Um, new occupancy and process. I've been talking to Jennifer Hibbets, who's got the Bridgeway Cafe uh, marketed. She's got two or three pro uh, proposals. So I'm trying to help figure out with her, which might make their way through 660 Bridgeway, which is Barrel House. The Christmas store is relocating. It did, did I see Julie leave? I don't know where they're going. I haven't been able to find out. I They're going a, to San Francisco Pier 39. Okay, that's too bad. Uh, and But they are working with a couple of other tenants there. One is a jewelry kind of tenant and the Boba Tea that we've mentioned before who's working their way through. Uh, the Hotel Sausalito, all of you have seen. The, it's under construction. If you haven't seen, you should go down and take a look. It's a see-through building right now. And um, J Julie and the chamber and some of the businesses are having their challenges, but um, it's under construction and it should get completed at least, I think fourth, fourth quarter, first quarter um, of 2023. Nothing new on Princess It's a Street. very big impact on the businesses. Yeah. Down yeah. Extremely big. Yeah. Hopefully it won't last that long, but it, definitely during tourist season, it's not the best. Um, I think I mentioned last time that Chase Bank has been occupied by Prince Jewelry. So that space is occupied. 
Princess Street is having some challenges um, that they're working their way through with some of the code issues that they have found out. On Caledonia, for sale is 300 Pine Street. Uh, a, a landscaping group purchased uh, 304 Caledonia, which is the um, uh, Sparrow Creek School, and they plan on doing some business out of there as well as doing some work in the back garden. Um, we had, as, as I said, the brainstorming meeting with 101 Caledonia and Odyssey Bike, uh, it's 2,600 square feet. They're not ready for some reason to market that space because I've had a couple of tenants that might have been interested and they're not um, taking on any comments yet, but I think they soon will be. Um, if you have not visited, and I think I mentioned this last time, if you have not visited the bookstore next to Water Street Hardware, they're open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Definitely charming. I told you, 88-year-old, she probably would love your support. If you've got some old books, she'll take them in. And uh, she's become sort of the grand dame down on that part sector of Caledonia. So that's a report on activity. Thank you, Monica. Any questions for Monica? Monica, it's great to have your pulse on all those buildings and all the activity. It's wonderful to hear your regular updates. So thank you for staying so close to all that. You're welcome. Okay, um, Serge, can you see if there's any public comment on that business development update provided by Monica? Mayor Riley, I see no hands raised. Thank you. Uh, we're moving into our closing section of the meeting. Thank you, everybody. Uh, in item five, this is where we have an opportunity for our liaison updates uh, and staff updates. I do know that uh, Chris had to step away, but he was pretty active and gave us most of the critical information up front. So I think we'll skip any staff update, but I'd like to ask uh, Julie, if you have any items we haven't covered that you'd like to share with us, please. I do. Um, I just want to clarify something that Cass said uh, with the lighting. It's not that the chamber doesn't want to support the lighting and doesn't want to help, is because we're a 50C6, using us as a pass through for funds for something like that was advised against by RCPA. And so that's the only reason using us as a pass through for funds is not something that is, we're total support of the lighting. It's just that our CPA said it wasn't a good idea for us to do that. So I just wanted to make that clear that the chamber is in full support of the lighting downtown. We just can't act as a pass through account and collect the funds um, for that particular thing. Um, and the other thing is we had a great lunch today with Senator McGuire. He brought us so much information about what's going on in California, what's going on in the community, so many resources that we can use for um, our homeless uh, issues in all of Marin, uh, some programs that are going on with the state and the federal government. So it was a very um, robust conversation with him and I'm hoping to have him come back in about three months. Uh, we have some things, he made some great connections today and he's going to be helping uh, a few of our businesses with some information. So we had a really good turnout and I do appreciate Poggio's um, hosting that for us today. That's it. Thank you, Julie. Um, and our council member liaisons, uh, Ian and Jill, and I will shout out uh, 
Monica, crack you a little bit. I have hung out with Ian, Jill, Susan <laughs> at a bunch of our events. So uh, my NORAC council member is very active, always coming out in the community. Um, and I thank them for their support. Uh, Ian or Jill, are you with us still? I'm looking down. I know that we may have had lost both of them. I'm scrolling to see. They aren't here. I looked. They're not here. Okay. Jill was, yeah. Okay, hey, we've lost our, yeah, checked. Um, but Jill was here because I was communicating with her also during the meeting. Okay, um, so final, uh, our future uh, and next agenda. Uh, we're scheduled to meet the first Monday in August. Uh, is that a good date for everybody? Uh, that's August 1st. Seems good. Not, I okay. will not be here, but I'm not a voting uh, member. <laughs> okay, but you have strong input. I um, will be on so vacation. As, um, I think the primary topic will be how we streamline our activities going forward. It will bring forward, and Cass, I, sorry to volunteer you, but um, you know, I'll, I'll put the structure and then we can present it to uh, the committee, get everyone's input, and then have a letter going back to city council on how we streamline our activities going forward. Um, beyond that, I think that's the primary work. Um, I'd also maybe, um, I will distribute the letter that Cass, uh, John, and I reviewed and had submitted to the council liaisons about our budget request. I'll submit that out to EDAC so you all see that? And I do think by that next meeting, we should really button down what funding we have uh, to work with going forward as well. Any other agenda items? Monica, I see your hand is up. It's not an agenda item. I want to go back to something, so I'll wait till you're done with the agenda. Okay, well, any other input for the agenda um, for next meeting? Okay, then we'll go back to your comment, Monica. Really quickly, um, Tom, I apologize. You have been the best supporter for Wednesday Night Live one could hope for. You've given me so many music people and you're there when you're here. So thank you for that. I'm sorry I forgot you. But um, the other thing I wanted to say is with the float, um, I neglected to see that Rachel was here and Rachel Stout and Raylene Gorham, who's Parks and Rec Commission, were big contributors to uh, developing the design for the float helping install all the uh, decorations, writing, handling all the kids. It was a blast. We were so disappointed we came in second, not first, but the float will be utilized again um, when they do an event up at Civic Center and they have the play for Joseph James. I will say, in my opinion, we made some um, really great inroads with a lot of Marin City folks on that. There you go. <laughs> There's Rachel and Raylene. Anyway, we had a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, but um, I just wanted to acknowledge Rachel and say thank you for your help. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. And uh, first year float coming in second place. Uh, the first place team is worried. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, congratulations. Um, hey, uh, Serge, do we need to open up for public comment on these uh, updates? Uh, Chair Riley, that would be smart just for the record. For the record, let's uh, take public comment on 
um, staff and liaison updates in that future. Be, yeah, that would be item 5A through 5D. Yes. And Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. Okay. Um, at this time, we've set the next meeting date and time. Uh, so we will adjourn this meeting. I wish everyone a wonderful remainder of July and can't wait to talk to you in August. All right. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Go sell some boats, Malcolm. <laughs> I'm working. I'm working. <laughs>